This episode is brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a set of 10 uniquely beautiful diamond rings, and they're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com. This exciting collection of truly unique limited edition diamond engagement rings is available now only at BlueNile.com. Here we go. Rejecting the screen. Noah Kozlov out here on the East Coast, out West, Adam Stenko. The going ISO edition as we do every week with all sorts of folks who touch the NBA in all sorts of ways. Today we go out to Melbourne, Australia. We're joined by Josh Lloyd, the lead fantasy basketball analyst for Basketball Monster, but as you would know him for on the Locked On Podcast Network, the host of the number one fantasy basketball podcast in all the land, Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Josh Lloyd on Twitter is at RedRock underscore B-Ball. Josh, when you were a pharmacist less than 10 years ago, how are you thinking that you were going to end up making a career in fantasy basketball? Well, I didn't for a start. Like I was just playing yeah, casually in a league with my brother that he started. And he's like, oh, do you want to play? Yeah, sure. No worries. We'll do that. And then you yeah, started playing and having success and, and getting getting into it. But no, I had no no thoughts really that I'd have any sort of career uh, around the NBA doing fantasy basketball, anything like that. It was just something that was a, a side hobby back you know, back all those uh, all those years ago, and uh, and then things just uh, started blossoming from there. Was it so? What is the, what's that first point where they start blossoming? So it was probably I don't know three three or four years after I started playing, and you know having some success in doing it, in playing and you know, joining other leagues and, and winning those. And okay, well this is this is good, but also just a I don't know what the the right term is a a disappointment in the in the pharmacy industry and just a a lack of I don't know I don't, I don't want to use the word respect but just like what am I what am I doing like I don't feel like there's any advancement stuff here I don't feel like the the work and the education and the training that I put in doing it is being used to the best of its ability so I can go in there on a day-to-day basis and get you know, abused by people who don't know what they're talking about and that felt yeah, it didn't feel it didn't, didn't feel great. And I thought, oh, well, you know, I've got spare time here uh, at, at night, so let's let's just do something to try and keep your mind off, yeah, you know, the mundane nature of, of what you're doing for work. So I just started like, you know what, I I might start writing something. I I wanted to get involved in sports in some way at some point in my life, yeah, back since since I was a kid, and then you know, just thought I'd start doing something. And, and I first of all applied to um, uh, Pro Football Focus to do some stuff. We are watching game tape for the NFL and did that for a bit. But the time, the time that was needed to do that was really tough with work and the work schedule. So I thought, oh, I, I like basketball, I like fantasy basketball, I like the NBA. Maybe I'll just start writing some stuff there. And that's uh, that's where it went. It's interesting. We we recently talked to Josh Eberly. He grew up in in Calgary and basketball just wasn't huge there when when he was growing up and there were certain influences but it it wasn't huge in general among his friend group and among the media i'm curious growing up in melbourne what 
what it was like early on, other than the fact that you had starter jackets and hats, which I know your brother had the Hornets hat and all that stuff. And, but I'm, I'm curious what, what was in general, like the basketball consumption, like at that point? Um, yeah, look, so when I was growing up, yeah, primary school age, you know, nine, 10, 11, that was that 1990 sort of, so the start of the Jordan Bulls, the advent of the Charlotte Hornets, as you mentioned, which was huge here. Like everyone was trying to get Bulls gear or Hornets gear pretty much. And the NBA started to take off here and it really tied in with a, an increasing interest in the local league as well. The NBL was really probably at its peak in that late eighties, early nineties period. So basketball started to take off now in terms of popularity, media coverage, it's yeah, a drop in the ocean compared to the way that you know, sport like cricket or Australian football is covered here. Like it, it's really, really small, but it took off in people, I guess, my age around that time. And you, you see like a, a bunch of people who you know, do do work in the, the NBA sphere now who are Australians are all around that same sort of age from growing up in that you know, late 80s, early 90s, mid 90s period where it really started to kick off. Um, so the, the media coverage of it was was small, but it was we got a like a one hour TV show every week on a Saturday morning. Um, can't remember what it was called inside hoops part inside, sort of thing. inside uh, stuff. Yeah, yeah but it was also it was an australian host who was an oh. american player who would came came here to play in the nbl steve carfino his name was and he'd host it and then you'd go across and do like the top 10 plays and get them from inside stuff and, and bring that over but with sort of an australian feel but that's all we got we didn't get in live games we didn't get anything like that but it was just that one um that one hour a week that we got that then you drew, drew everyone in plus the the cultural stuff and and that sort of got everyone's interest going so how did you start to really learn about the game then um a lot of my friends at that age were, were playing basketball as well on a, you know, a local level and they were quite good so would watch their games and try and play like, pretty poorly like i'm not not a very good uh, basketball player at all like my uh, my sporting talents lie in other sports but you're know, watching them and understanding them there, but also just getting the the excitement around yeah that that league that was very different to anything that we had here. So just trying to consume as much as possible, and then yeah, over time because the media coverage didn't really grow and other interests came in, you sort of drop out a little bit from it. But then you know, when things like you know, when the internet became more mainstream, you could get that access. You had to do the digging to try and find it. We still didn't have access to huge amounts of games. We're talking you know, late 90s, you could start to get a little bit more. But you know, mid-2000s is when stuff really started to pick up, when you could access stuff at, at a, basically the same level as what anyone in the world could. Any idea of the, the first live game you watched there was? Ooh, first, it, it, I don't think live game. I reckon it was probably maybe 96, 97 sometime, it would have been a Bulls game. Like I watched a ton of stuff because what I would do is after every Bulls championship, go and buy the VHS, the championship yeah, yeah. packet, whatever it was called. Like here's uh -huh. all the highlights and watch all that plus the highlights we saw on TV and collect all of those ones. But the first live game would have been when we first got uh, cable TV here, which would have been like 96, 97. I'm going to say off the top of my head, it was Bulls and Spurs, but I, I couldn't be sure about that. What Was it a... Did it become like a major event for you and your friends to whether it was a live game or it was a game that was on tape delay that that aired of getting together to watch a game? Not really, because at that that age when that sort of stuff, I was like here fifteen, sixteen, so we weren't really doing it. But we were we would talk about it at, at school a, a lot. 
Um, and it was also sort of the big boon of trading cards too. So it was tying in that. And then everyone, like everyone at school would have, here's my pack of upper deck, here's my skybox, here's my FLIR. And we would just, that's literally every break is bringing cards. Here's my folder, look at them, let's trade them. And we're doing yeah. that like for you know three, four years straight, like every day. And that was a massive thing. And so that's, I guess that's how you pretty much learn all of the players. Like, oh my God, look at this olden Polynese card. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, but I've got his card. Like he's, he's, a, yeah, he's um, David Benoit. Or, and why is David Benoit pronounced different to Benoit Benjamin? Like, they got this, it's the same name. Like, who who <laughs> are awesome. these blokes? Like, who are these guys? But I've got their card and that's cool. And everyone's waiting. Oh man, upper deck 92. I've got my Shaq rookie redemption card. Like, when's it coming in the mail? It took four months to come over here and then we'd eventually get it and that sort of stuff. So it's that's interesting. how that interest grew. Yeah, it's wild because it's like, in a, in a way, it's all the same. You know, it doesn't matter where you come from. It's it's there's something that peaks that excitement. And it and it oftentimes is abstract like that, where it's a starter jacket or it's it's cards. And it was obviously the same way for Noah growing up and myself. And, you know, when Noah's writing Charles Barkley letters and every day, I don't know what the deal every day. Noah was love letters to Barkley. No, or- I mean, I was, you know, six, seven, eight years old. He would get hurt. And, you know, he's playing in Philadelphia. He would get hurt or he was going through whatever he was going through, or even if he was on a, on a hot streak, I'd send him, I'd write letters to the Sixers and I would get things back in the mail. As I've said before, I've got a stack of birthday cards from, from Charles Barkley. And that's back in the day when, you know, the team's team PR would send like the big envelope of game notes and the programs and the yearbook. And as a kid, that was better than anything else. How big was, how big was Andrew Gaze to, your generation look massive like he was without doubt the best australian player yeah at, at any point in that that period like look, he's not the best australian player now just in terms of basketball but importance to australian basketball he is clearly the best player in that regard and even when he went across to the us to play for seton hall like that was stuff that made not only like the sports segment of the nightly news but it would make the you know, the, the first the first 20 minutes of the news andrew gaze has gone over yeah, Seton Hall, and he's leading Seton Hall through. I think they got to the Final Four. And yeah, talking about that, like, this is a guy that was established as a professional here, going across to play in a, in a college environment, making news here. It was massive, like bringing basketball to everyone. And his dad was a legendary coach here as well. So that Gay's family is basically just, it is basketball here. And that's how so much of that started. And yeah, just watching Andrew Gay's yeah, play for the Spurs and play you know, three minutes a night or whatever he played back then, it just opened up everything to everyone in, in coming through, like Longley and, and Chris Anstey getting drafted by the Mavs and then you know, moving through obviously to Bogut and Exxon and Simmons and those sort of guys. But the Gay's name, and now he's like you know, everywhere in, in media, he does everything, but the importance that he and his, and his father had in promoting the game here and bringing it to a more mainstream um, audience is huge. And I think part of that is obviously his talent and just being that guy who was you – know, not to overstate it, but like from an Australian point of view, like it's what it was like, you know, having someone like Larry Bird or Steph Curry that when he got the ball, he knew it was going in and he knew he was going to score 30 or 40 every game. Like that's mm. just what was going to happen. And then he, he could pass and he was just the must watch player, no matter if he was you know, young or he's old with gray hair, like he knew he was going to be putting up numbers and, and, and he's got such a like bubbly and likable personality that he, I think he looked probably the single biggest person in terms of, basketball popularity in this country would have to be Andrew Gaze through some way or another. RockAuto.com is a family business. It's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. 
If you go to rockauto.com right now, you can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, and they've got everything. And they make it pretty easy. Just a few easy clicks. You navigate their simple-to-use catalog, and then everything just gets delivered directly to your door. And best of all, the prices are always reliably low at rockauto.com, and the same for your professionals, your do-it-yourselfers, and as we like to say, your try-it-yourselfers, since that would be the two of us. Go to rockauto.com right now, and you can see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On, L-O-C-K-E-D, space on, Locked On, in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Get more of the sports news you need in less time. Sounds nice. With our new Locked On Today podcast, Peter Bukowski Host Locked On Today. It's a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. So start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. It had to be pretty wild. If you, if you started watching when the Bulls got hot in the 90s, it had to be pretty wild to see Luke Longley, one of your own, being Michael Jordan's teammate. Yeah, it was. It's, 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 you know, his impact is small in terms of the box score numbers, but just yeah, having that, because we just didn't have many Australian players. Like we had guys go over and play as the 14th man or whatever and play a couple of minutes. And you go, oh, that's cool. Look, yeah, there's Andrew Gaze on the court. But then Luke Longley comes out starting the centre, playing alongside you know, Jordan in those in those teams. And we didn't even know what to expect with Longley, because I, I think he was drafted by the Wolves to start off with. And he was drafted relatively high. Uh, but yeah, didn't have the the, the greatest start to things. Like, oh, okay, like that's not gonna that's not gonna do anything. Uh, that's it's great that he got drafted, but then to see him yeah having success starting on a championship team, it was it was pretty big as well. So having that sort of um, role model is the wrong word, but just seeing that success of a player, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it lays a lot of foundations that you can that you can have success. You're doing something in an area where, where in the past it hasn't really been the case that Australians have gone over and had success there. One of the things that I took away from examining your career and, and what you're doing now is just the work ethic. And so while you may have gotten exposure to the game on a grand scale later than you know many of the American kids did, it's wild how much work you put in once once you did it. So you just described you're working the pharmacy job and then you have this nights available what does the early work look like in terms of your your fantasy basketball work what did that look like early on all right so it was tough um at, at first you know when i first started doing it i'd, I'd go i go to work you know, start 7 30 a.m you know, get in there for you know we open up the shop at, at 8 a.m finish at five so that you know that's that's five days a week that's a lot of work but then come home and then write up a recap of every game of the day. So that's what I thought. Because you know, one of the things I learned, and, and I learned this from um, the guys at then the the basketball drones, you know, Skeets mm-hmm. and Tass, it's something that they would say often is like, if you're going to do something, you got to do it. You, know, you got to know what you want to do, but you got to do it consistently. You can't come out there and put something out, and then yeah, in three days you do it again, unless you tell everyone that. I'm going to do this every three days. Uh, you can't say I'll do it on Monday, then the next week I'll do it on Friday, then I have two weeks off because then it just, nothing happens. So okay, if I'm going to do this, I have to do it consistently and it's going to be hard. So I started off you know, writing these articles every day, which would take me a couple of hours a night, which was okay. Um, but it's still you know, an extra two hours of, of work on, on top of things. And then 
yeah, I started getting a little bit of traction with that. And in some of my writing was noticed by the guys over at, uh, at Rotowire. Uh, yeah, so I'd emailed my stuff through to the NBA editor over there, Kyle McEwen, and said, you know, what do you think? I just started listening. I said, yeah, really good. Like, you know, might have an opening for you to come and do some work with us. I'm like, that's awesome. Like, you know, a couple of months in, like, I'm going to get paid to do it. Like, very, very small amount. But, yeah, doing that, and then that just an extra thing added onto my onto my plate, like doing some work there with them, doing my work. And I thought, well, it is gaining some, and by gaining, like, it wasn't much. Like, I might have 100 people read it, like, not many but it was gaining something and I enjoyed doing it, which is the, the most important thing. Okay. Well, I, I enjoy doing this. So I'd probably be still doing this and reading these things and analyzing what's going on in the game regardless. But now I'm putting it out in my thoughts. And I think I can offer something to people doing it this way, but it, it, it was hard to do it. And then it just kept on getting harder because I kept getting more traction, but I wanted, then I said, well, I'm doing this and it's good. I think it's good. And I think other people will find it good. And I'm going to set myself five years here. And I'm gonna, if I, it doesn't work in five years, I'm going to stop it. But I'm going to go hard at it and I'm going to see what happens. And yeah, I'd, I'd work. I'd get up to go to the day job at what, you know, start at 7.30 over there and come home. Then I'd finish work like 10.30 at night, most nights, 11, 11 o'clock at night. And coming home from work there then getting in because then I'd write and then I'd go and record a podcast. And it would start at, you know, about six months later. And it was hard to do that every single day, but getting that consistency in there was what I, I thought was what would bring success to it. Um, but it was hard. It was hard to start off with. Where did that work ethic come from? I don't know. Um, yeah, look, it's my, yeah, my dad worked, worked hard yeah, in his, in his job. My mom didn't work. She worked around the house. I don't, I don't know. I don't know where where it came from. I'm sure it comes from your parents, but it also comes from them pushing you, you know, through in school and going, well, Josh, you know, you know we know, and the teacher saying, Josh, we know, like you can do a lot here. Like you are, you you are intelligent. You're doing this work, but don't settle for, don't settle for being average. And that would annoy me as a kid. Like, why do I have to do more than everyone else? Like, why why are you making? Like, I've done this work. I finished it in 15 minutes and these guys are taking 30 minutes. Can I have 15 minutes to take a break? Because that's why I finish it quickly. So I can take it easy. And I go, nah, here's do more work. And that would annoy me. But I'd do it. So I'd get that stuff out. And I think that sort of stuff, like pushing that from parents and, and teachers who, because yeah, as a kid, you don't necessarily recognize what you're doing. I'm just like, if I can get this done quickly, I, I will. So I can go and put my head down on my desk and nap for 15 minutes. They wouldn't let you do it. So you just came into it and go, if I've got a spare moment, I'll just do more because that's how I'll get ahead of other people. It's just by by doing more, um, doing it well, but also doing more and just pushing through. Uh, I can sleep later on. Like I can sleep tonight. I can rest tonight. But just do what you, you need to do. And, and that came through from yeah, academic stuff, but also just from from you know, playing sport as well. Like I played uh, played cricket at a not super high level, but a pretty high level, like representative type level. Um, but yeah, so train four or five nights a week for that play Saturday, all day Saturday, play all day Sunday. Yeah, do that. Just keep pushing through to try and to get something because, you know, I guess I failed at the time. The last thing I want to be described as is, is lazy. You know, it, it's evident though, in general, like in terms of your podcast, just the diligence. Uh, at basketballmonster.com, just detailed it. What you do, I, I, I and I'm not just saying this because we have you on as a guest or that you're part of the lockdown network, but literally because you could tell the difference when people put the work in and they put the time in. And I think it means something. I'm curious early on though, 
you're putting the work in. People might not necessarily understand that. What was it that connected you to the fans? What was it they were picking up about your work that that stood out? I think, yeah, I think part of it is just a unique, a unique part of my voice. Like not just the accent, which I think people draws people in because I'm not just speaking in a stereotypical American accent. So it's like, oh, what's what's this guy talking about? Like, what's what's this voice? But just I guess turns of phrase and me throwing out weird nicknames for people or you know Aussieifying things that I'm saying. And people go, I don't know what that means, but it's funny. And trying to introduce that you know, whatever I do is make it make it try and be factually relevant, but also not hot not hot takey like I, I you know, despise that sort of part of sports media like i avoid that but whatever i'm out there saying i'm trying to say it with reasoning behind it like this is what could be wrong might not be wrong might be right who, who knows like but this is the reason behind it but also make it entertaining and and try and make it um yeah p- people are, are getting information but also getting it in an enjoyable sense which again some you know a lot of fantasy shows or basketball shows can be pretty dry so I took like leads from guys like you know the basketball Jones, the old um, fantasy football stuff with with Matthew Berry, yeah, the, introducing some humor in, into what they're doing, but then coming at it with a completely different perspective than what nearly anyone had heard who was dealing with uh, fantasy sports or fantasy basketball, bringing the Australian part of it in, and the different way that we approach things is is just something that's completely different to everyone, and people seem to enjoy that. Yo, the Super Bowl is here, and there's only one place that has you covered, one place we trust. When putting down the wagers, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today, free account, betonline.ag. Use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D, on, all one word, Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus. The number I'm looking at, the over-under, the total points at 50. I like the under. I go with the history, especially the recent history of unders in totals that are 50-plus in the Super Bowl. That's where I'm leaning. But there are plenty of people who have watched more football than I have this year, and we've got them all covered on Locked On NFL and all the team podcasts. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Getting a good night's sleep is a whole lot easier said than done. We all say, need a good night's sleep tonight, and then we don't get it. So our good friends at CBDMD have what you need. CBD PM blends 500 milligrams of high-quality CBD with melatonin, valerian root, chamomile, and other sleep-promoting ingredients to create a powerful and effective sleep aid. And to make it even easier to get this year started off right, yeah, if you haven't said Happy New Year to somebody that you haven't seen yet, you can still do it. They're offering all of our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. That's CBDMD.com, promo code NBA, 25% off your purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD. What was that first, holy shit, that guy listens or that guy read my work? Yeah, I think it was. Oh, I think it was probably Chris Towers from CBS who does a lot of their um, fantasy football, fantasy baseball stuff at the moment. He's doing more fantasy basketball back then, but I remember he started following me back, you know, early on when I started, and then yeah, agreed to come on the podcast with me. And I was like super nervous because this is like a guy that I'd been listening to on podcasts, 
Um, so that was probably the first major person that had like a, a platform on a big site that I knew had read some of my stuff and had listened to what I what I did. And uh, that, that was it was awesome to get to get Chris on onto the show to to chat with him. I thought it was going to be when Eric Bledsoe blocked you on Twitter. I wish I don't even know what happened. I I I never I don't think I'd ever followed him. Uh, I don't think I'd ever said, ever said anything bad about Eric Bledsoe. I defended him all the time because people you know just shit on this guy all the time. Like Eric Bledsoe, oh, he's all right. Like he's pretty good. And I understand his issue with the Suns. They treated him poorly. I, I understood that. And then someone tried to tag me in something with him in it, and I couldn't see it. Like, What's going on here? So I went and had a look. Uh, it was him that blocked me. And also remember Sean Kilpatrick, the play for the Nets. He blocked sure. me too. Now <laughs> I. I said that he was terrible, so maybe that's why. But I never followed him either. They're the two players that had blocked me. But the Eric Bledsoe one was uh, pretty weird. That's so funny because Sean and I DM each other. I'm gonna, oh, wow. I'm gonna mention. Yeah, I'm gonna mention. I'm gonna send him a note and say, "Hey, uh, I was talking to Josh Lloyd, and for some reason you blocked him. Um, is there a reason behind it?" And I got to imagine that it was. I mean, I don't know Sean that well, but I got to imagine it was had to be some sort of mistake. No, I mean, you know, I told it was because, like, you know, he, come, he comes in and, and he plays and go, well, look, he's getting these minutes, but I'm not sure he's very good. I said stuff like that, but I think it may have been because I, I try to give players weird yeah, nicknames, whether it's an Australian reference or it's an old school right. ref, ref, uh, wrestling reference. So whenever I talk about Sean Kilpatrick on the podcast, I call him the sexy boy Sean Kilpatrick from Sean Michaels, and I'd play the Sean Michaels music. Yeah, and right. then I would tweet out sexy boy Sean Kilpatrick. Maybe he just thought, hey, I'm I'm not sure what this is. Why is this guy calling me sexy? I'm gonna block him. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that was it. I don't know. What I'm gonna it was. find out. I'm gonna find out. Have you ever heard directly from a player about what uh, your 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 takes are on him as a fantasy player? No, I know a few players have followed me in the past. Uh, Kevin Serafin did. Lance Thomas did or does. Um, I can't think of any players ever have have reached out to me. I know uh, Jamal Murray responded to one of my tweets once. Um, because someone was asking me, hey, who do I draft, Jamal, Har- Jamal Murray or Gary Harris? And I said, I'll oh, probably Jamal. And he just chimed in and goes, I want to just get both. I'm like, all right, cool. Th- th- thanks for the tip, Jamal. <laughs> That's nice. That's nice. Um, so more about the, the the experience with hoops. What was it like when the – when I know the Olympics were in Sydney, but as, you know, as Americans, we think that Melbourne and Sydney are right next door to each other, just like we think – London and Barcelona. Everyone who lives in Barcelona would know everybody who lives in London because it's all Europe. What what was it like with the Olympics being there in two thousand? So the diff- the distance between Melbourne and Sydney is uh, LA to San Francisco. So that's that's the distance you're talking about. But we we went to the Olympics in Sydney. We uh, we drove up and stayed there for a few days. We went to see the basketball up there. Uh, couldn't get tickets to see the US in that game. I honestly I can't a hundred percent remember who we saw, but I have it now. I don't know if this is just being, you know, you get ideas of association. Like maybe I saw this, but this is 20 years ago. Like I think we saw, I think we saw China play. I think I saw, I think Yao was playing, but I can't remember if that's 100% accurate. But I definitely saw some basketball up there. Um, but it was the Olympics were huge here when when it was on in Sydney. So like we, we drove up, plenty of people drove up. We had to stay like two hours out of the city to try and get accommodation and catch the training in the morning. Um, to, to go to that you know, full day event, we just were up there for a weekend, like three days, you know, to take that time off and go up for that weekend. But it was it was awesome, and yeah, getting to that to the basketball and seeing that that level of international competition at that at that level was uh, was pretty was pretty enjoyable. So on that note, then how, how significant is it for since Australian basketball players have have gotten more notable over the years, Ben Simmons specifically now, how 
significant is it for those guys to play or not to play for the national team? Yeah, it's pretty big. Like, obviously, we had that win over the U.S. last year down here in Melbourne. Of course, the U.S. team wasn't at full strength. But just you know, when they are playing um, yeah, Olympics or FIBA World Cup stuff, like it is important. And even like if we play the U.S. and we're leading in the fourth quarter and we end up getting beaten by nine points or whatever, we go, oh, look, we gave them a good run. Like we, That's important to us. And now imagine when Simmons is playing or imagine when um, – yeah, the, the next guy is is coming through and and he's putting up these and we can get Josh Green in a couple of years to provide some of that defense on the wing and just that sort of stuff. It's really important, but we've you know, we'd love to get a medal in one of these contests, which we haven't done yet, and which is frustrating that we always seem to fall over at those last moments, you know, whether it's against Spain or France or the US or whatever. But yeah, you can see it continuing to grow, and I think you're yeah, getting that medal is going to be. Yeah, it's going to be a massive thing for for the sport, but also just for the country because we've just been following this team for for so long and and seeing it grow and seeing the players come in that it will be massive when that eventually happens, which I'm sure it will. I just, I just don't know when. Still so funny. I'm still caught up on the distance between cities. My my brother spent a semester. My brother Randy spent a semester. Actually, both my brothers did, but Randy spent a semester in Brisbane when he was in college. Buddy of his from the states flew out to come visit him. Didn't ask him where he was in Australia and landed in the Sydney airport. And he calls my brother and says, all right, I'm here. I'm at the airport. And, my, and tells him he's at the Sydney airport. He's like, that's like 10 hours away, bro. <laughs> it was incredible. He, he spent most of his time there just traveling to get to, to Brisbane. Amazing. Things are so far. There's, like, it's so far. Like Melbourne to Sydney is not even that far. Like it's nine hour drive. Like it's not, it's not that far, but for us down here to get to, to Brisbane, it's like, two days drive like it is so far and then and brisbane is the, at the bottom of queensland which is that top state so that's right at the south right on the border pretty much like it's an hour away from the border between yeah new south wales and queensland brisbane is but then to get to the top of queensland it's like the double the distance like it takes up the half the country so if you want to go from the bottom half of one state to the top like it's another 24 hour drive to get up to the top of that state like things uh we are a big country there's only like six states here wow incredible i I'm I'm curious on to not just the national team, but now you talked about what it was like, the media exposure for basketball when you were growing up. But now with this influx of players that are now in the league, plus St. Mary's basically being a pipeline with Del Vadova and, and Patty Mills and all, um, what is the exposure now to basketball in the States in Australia? Yeah, I don't know if I'm the best person to answer that, as weird as that sounds, given that I'm doing so much work with the NBA, because I am not focused on what the media exposure is here, because I am creating media for a start, but I'm also watching majority of the US stuff. I know that it can be pretty cringeworthy at times to see people who don't follow basketball get tasked with writing a story or presenting something and still not understanding how the league works or um yeah mispronouncing names that's pretty annoying when like i'm sitting here go dude just call me up like i'll do a five minute spot on the news and i'll actually tell you how to pronounce Giannis's name like it's it's pretty straightforward but, but i can do it for i can do it for five minutes like I, I can help you out with that so that's pretty frustrating but we've got a lot of yeah, really interesting yeah, young young journalists coming through providing some pretty good yeah, good content here it's just that getting them to break through to that mainstream part and not be yeah here is a rugby guy here is a footy guy talking about the basketball for five minutes and not actually understanding what they're talking about it can be pretty frustrating when there are yeah some really good basketball journalists here who are you know making inroads and breaking a lot of stories whether in the, in the nbl or regarding australians in the nba and not getting quite that exposure it can be pretty frustrating you you'd mentioned that 
like when Andrew Gaze came over to the U.S. and he's playing in Seton Hall, that was that would lead the news. That would be in the in the A block, not just relegated to sports. What if anything finds its place in that A block now from the NBA? Um, now it would be stuff like you know Ben Simmons getting drafted or um, yeah, Ben Simmons getting injured. Basically, anything regarding Ben Simmons at this point is probably the the number one thing that would get into that or you know Ben Simmons coming back to Australia and saying hey Australians are racist stop treating me badly and then the media saying oh what are you talking about we're, we're great and just controversy which is always there's always going to be controversy around Ben Simmons but it's basically him that that's the story that will be pushing into big stuff or it's like hey LeBron won a championship but realistically nothing is is pushing into that major news portion unless it's you know, controversy regarding Simmons usually do you see more Ben Simmons jerseys than any other player Yep, we were. Yes, I went to took my son to a to a water park, um, and you know, a little kid just wearing a little Ben Simmons jersey, which was cool. You still see a lot of other ones, mostly you know, from you know, twenty year old men are wearing you know, different types of jerseys, you know, LeBron or, or whatever, like getting all sorts of random stuff. But in terms of kid stuff, it's just there's a lot of Simmons. Want to transition into some some fantasy hoops talk, just in in general, Josh, right from the jump. Um, and I'm curious as to what are some things that you would advise people who are just now starting to get into fantasy basketball? What are some tips that you would give them just, just from the start beginners? What are some things they need to know maybe about the difference between what's actual real basketball being played and, uh, what accounts for a good fantasy team? Yeah, that, that's, yeah. The number one thing I think we're going to look at is if you, you come into a fantasy, you got to understand what your league is. Like you got to understand how it works and what the settings are because if you don't understand that then it doesn't matter how much you know about basketball then you can't apply that those settings across to how these players work and it's and it is important to want to be able to understand that difference and where that we have that lies between fantasy basketball and real life basketball like you can say you know someone like Royce O'Neal goes out for the Jazz and, and plays really really strong defense and he's a key part of what they do in his 30 minutes a night. But for fantasy, it doesn't mean anything because he's not touching the ball. He's not actually getting defensive stats. And there's a difference between a player who is a good defender and someone who gets good defensive numbers. Like James Harden will get you a block and two steals a game, but no one's going to call him a good defender. But in fantasy, that means a lot. In general, real-life production does tie into real life real life production, real-life value does tie into fantasy. There are a few examples of it not. But in general, it, it does tie in. But understanding... The, the difference in the, the settings of your league and how that applies to a particular player and the, the groups of players is super important because even across different fantasy leagues, values of players can be quite different just depending on how, how your league was set up initially. And if you don't understand that, then it's a, it's a big recipe for a failure. I know Adam wants to get into your, your 30 team leagues. So before we get to the present, do you remember who were the, key components of your very first fantasy championship team? I can. It was Carlos Boozer, who I drafted. Look, when I went into my first draft, right, I hadn't watched the NBA for about three or four years. This was like 2000, I'm going to say nine, maybe, or eight, okay. something along those lines. I hadn't. My brother goes, oh, come join this league. Come over to my place. We're all going to be in the lounge room. We're going to do an auction draft. What's an auction draft? I don't even know what this is. All right, so I went in there. I just, we're going to say players' names. You're going to bid on them. I knew nothing about any of these players. And Carlos Boozer, that sounds like a funny name, all right? Let's, I'll bid for him. And this, this is back when he played for the Jazz. Uh, Boozer, great. Let's go. I'll, I'll be in on him. So it was him. It was um, Gerald Wallace, who was playing for Charlotte at that point. And 
it was after because the, then I said, okay, I've got this team. I better actually start paying attention and trying to read up on who these guys are. Um, so yeah, Gerald Wallace, and then after game one of the season, I was like, all right, this is uh, this guy's in for a, a big year. I like what he's doing. Rookie Tyreek Evans uh, on the Sacramento Kings, he went out oh, and like yeah. twenty-five, five and five or something in his first game. I went all right, cool. And then he and Gerald Wallace and Carlos Boozer led me to a championship in my first year. Sick first year when That's a title. Awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I bet. And Josh, if I'm not mistaken, you won you won your league the first few seasons you played it. Yeah, I think I won the first first two or you know, two out of the first three, uh, if not more than that. Um, so that was pretty good. And then started joining some other random leagues, uh, some public leagues or finding other people that wanted people to come in and winning a few of those and just being active and really getting obsessed with who are these players? Like, what are they doing? What are they doing on a daily basis? Literally just reading all of the box scores and trying to work out you know, what this means and who's injured and adding guys. And I remember like, you're, you're making runs in championships on the back of you know, guys like Chris Duhon getting extra minutes because someone was injured when he was playing for the Knicks or you know, Chuck Hayes dropping random March or April triple-doubles when he was a centre for the Rockets. Like, oh, Chuck Hayes, what's going on here? And adding guys like that and yeah, just really trying to stay abreast of the weird um, guys jumping up and, and coming out of nowhere and, uh, and getting those things and being just super active with you know, paying attention to the news. All right. So speaking of the the random guys, as Noah was just alluding to, thirty team league. I know that at least something as I was doing the research a few years ago. I know you were doing thirty team leagues. Um, what goes into that, and how did the drafts even work? How long do they last? I need to know everything about a thirty team fantasy basketball league. So about three years ago, I started. I think four or five thirty team dynasty leagues, which we. <laughs> We, we did. Uh, I've, I've actually, I've had to pull back from those. Like we just, I, I started them all. They ran for like four, four or five years. They're still running, but I couldn't yeah, commit the time to them. But they, they, they were long. But I am in one 30-team league now, which is a really, really long time 30-team league amongst all fantasy basketball analysts right across all sites. I've been in there for the last three years. And last year, I was on top before the play season stopped. I would, would have won that one. It was my third season in that one. So I was on top of that one. Um which was really frustrating to be on top of a league with 30 teams, but it, it goes forever. And this is a draft that we do. And because apart from one other person, we are, they, they are all in the States. So they try and leave the draft as long as possible. And you have like 25 minutes to do every pick. So it runs over a couple of days, but that means that I just got to wake up every hour or so during the night to say, is it my pick yet? Like, is it, is it time? Have oh. I set the queue of enough? It's, so I'm glad Wait I only did it for two It's nonstop days. for a couple of days, Josh. I don't mean to cut you off, but nonstop for a couple of days? Well, they, they, they're they so kind that when everyone in the US is sleeping, they pause the draft, which is awesome because it's 5 p.m. to like you know, 11 p.m. here, which is the time when I'm awake ready to pick. But they, they kindly pause the draft during that period of time. But otherwise, it just runs all day. You get an alert saying your pick's coming up. Here's your pick. You've got 25 minutes. Go and make it. Oh. Oh my God. I mean, that's maddening. You know, it, you've never missed your pick. I I have missed it once, but or once or twice. But what I do is, yeah, I'm going to bed like I'm 20 picks away. I'm going to throw 15 players into this queue. It's not an ideal way to draft, but let's hope it doesn't get to that stage where where it gets to my pick. Uh, actually, uh, this year I missed a pick. When I was, it was like 11 a.m. here, and I was sitting there, and I just didn't see the notification, and then it went through, and then as soon as it went through, I went, "Oh no!" So I just emailed, um, emailed the the commissioner, Aaron Bruski, said, 
Aaron, I'm right here. I'm ready to make my pick. Can you just run it back in the air? I call, roll it back, and then I just okay. made my made my actual pick there because I didn't set a queue because I was literally there waiting and then somehow missed it. But the most of the at night ones have been uh, been okay. So how long does each round actually take? It it usually would be. I don't know we do twelve rounds. Um, so yeah, twenty five minutes a pick. Most of the time, the, the time does run most of that 25 minutes because people have got other things to do. They're not you know, sitting by the computer 24 hours a day. You probably get, we probably do two rounds, two or three rounds a day, I think. Okay. And I'm, and I'm also fascinated by the idea that if you have 30 people that are participating in this and sometimes probably doubling up, right? You probably have brothers or friends or something doubling up, I would imagine as co-owners. But regardless, like e- even still, so you have them, if they're doing this over the course of days for your draft that also means they're going to take it seriously it's not a situation in which they're probably going to then a couple weeks in just decide oh, i'm not really into this anymore you put the time in for the draft you're going to participate going forward correct yeah and this and this league again it's, it's so long established that it's just everyone basically who's you know writing and podcasting about fantasy basketball so people from cbs and you know chris towers were mentioned before you know espn people uh yahoo people People from Roto World, people from Roto Wire, just a whole bunch of you know old school fantasy people. Rick Kamler, um, you know from NBA TV, like he's in there. Like those sort, of, those sort of guys, just players who have been doing this for a long time. So yeah, they're, they're taking it pretty serious, and, and to get a, a win in it is that's why I'm so annoyed about last year because I reckon I would have won it. Um, getting getting that sort of win is is pretty important. Kamler's an all time maniac, like yeah. all time, like, yeah. if, like sp- spending time with Kamler socially. Gamma is is not all there in the head. He's, oh, he, he is he is not he is not all there. One one of my favorite people, but he is he is a few cards short of a full deck. That's for sure. The awesome. uh, when it, when it comes to trying to figure out this season for for fantasy hoops, the amount of diligence that needs to be paid to all the postponements and the seven day quarantines and when guys are coming back, have you ever experienced anything like this? And is it an opportunity for someone who is in your position to be able to make even further inroads with folks? Um, obviously never experienced anything like this. You just sort of, you know, I wake up every morning and go, okay, what, what's happened now? Sort of idea, like what games are being postponed or you know, who's in or who's out. And it's, and it's frustrating to try and, you get a grasp on it. Yeah, you've got what 450 players in the NBA, so having to understand who's in, who's out at any period of time is is a challenge, and it's even more so of a challenge now because those guys who are the 420th player in the NBA, like they could be playing minutes. Like you got Dakota Mathias playing 40 minutes a night for the Sixers, and he's waived a week later. Like, but having to understand who's in those opportunities, uh, who's getting those opportunities at those particular times is is really important. And being able to understand who that guy is going to be like, you know, we have the, the Grizzlies and then Jonas Valanciunas. That's like, oh, look, guys, Xavier Tillman's the guy who's the backup center. He's the guy that we want to go and add. And then he starts and he, he was pretty good in that stuff. But being able to understand that. So I think, yeah, having that understanding and trying to get it out to more people it has been important. I think it has helped grow what I've done this season. I'm also doing a lot more, a lot more content this year as well, just trying to get more stuff out there at different points of the day, covering different aspects, just to try and keep people as informed as as they can be, because it's it's way more important this year to be able to do that. Josh, can you explain how 
basketballmonster.com, how that how that works for people that are in you know leagues, whether it's Yahoo, ESPN, what have you. All right, so that is a the site that I am the, the lead analyst at. It's existed before I did fantasy basketball, and I was a, a member there to to you know, begin when I was you know, playing fantasy, and then they had an opening you know, to to be the the new analyst there, and I uh, you know, reached out and and got that got that job there. So what we do is you know, this is the one of the major parts of what I do, apart from the podcast and the videos, is we go in there and and we project every player. So. We project every player on a season-long basis, and that was real tough this year to be able to turn everything around and get projections out in like four days, which is what I had to do this year, which is normally a process which I, I you know, sit and, and sift through over a month. Um, to get it out in four days was really tough, and that, that's, that's been hard, and you've got to make adjustments to that. But we go in and yeah, project every player for the entirety of the season, every stat possible, you know, basing that on you know, team pace and rotations and minutes and trying to work out how many games players will miss, which is, of course, impossible in a season like this. So we do that, and then we project everyone's minutes for every game of the season as well. Obviously, you know, paying more attention to what's happening today and tomorrow, fine-tuning those minutes of how they're going to play. But what you then go do is you can go in and import your, your league from Yahoo, and it will show you your team, the relative strengths of your team, the weakness of your team, how that compares to other teams in the league, um, you're giving you ideas of, here's a player that will actually benefit your team in the long run or is a player you can add for this week to help you get the the win over your opponent and you plug that opponent's matchup in this is how things are looking for this week assuming that all the games are going on as expected but we, we go in there and we just provide those individual projections that then you can tailor to whatever setup your league is because we just do all the base statistical projections and then that gets converted over to fantasy value or fantasy points or whatever sort of thing whatever sort of league you're doing but we go in there and you know, project out those those numbers on a daily basis on short-term and long-term stuff. Um, a few more, Josh, just kind of unrelated. What was the last game you saw in person? Okay, so you guys ready for a bombshell? I've never been to an NBA game. <laughs> you know what? So in my head, when I had that question, I was prepared for that answer. Okay. Really? I, I was. I'll tell you what. Um, I've been to the States many times, like eight, nine times, maybe. Um, before I started this work, when the time, all the times I was there, it was never NBA season. So I've been to a couple of college football games, went and saw USC a couple of times at the Coliseum, seen the Rangers at um, MSG play, been to multiple baseball games, Yankee games, San Francisco Giants games. My brother used to live in San Francisco, so I've been to Giants games, been to see Oakland been to see the Marlins, um, been to plenty of baseball games, all right? But every time I've been there, it was not NBA season. But then when I started this job, um, I work during the NBA season. So the games are on. I'm watching what's happening. I'm writing about it. If I had to go over to the States, it would change my whole time zone over. I wouldn't have my recording equipment. I wouldn't, but if I go to one game, then I can't work out what's going on with the other nine games that day. So I haven't been, but I've been to four summer leagues, I think. Um, and what I do want to do at some point when yeah, we're allowed to travel again is because I'm not really working as much, not really doing the daily projections and writing and stuff about the playoffs is head over for some playoff games. That's going to be my aim to get to an NBA game, but to see a playoff game. But regular season, I don't really see it happening because it just doesn't fit in with what I do with work now because you're watching it on TV and be able to switch back and forth and, and see everything that's going on. That gets wiped out if you're at a game. Yep, understandable. Totally understandable. Uh, I had, I just had this weird feeling inside that that was going to be the answer. 
Yeah, it's it's just it's just timing. Like summer league, I've seen heaps, heaps. I've been there that many times that I've seen all of these guys coming through and seen you know weird games from you know uh, Cameron Payne and Josh Reeves leading the Mavericks to big performances. And goes, <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen that happen. I've seen I've seen Taco Fall you know, dunking without jumping at summer league, but I haven't seen uh, I haven't seen any uh, real life regular season games. Oh, what what it. is what is your schedule? All right, so. We are recording this. It's currently 8.30 a.m. here. I got up at like 6 this morning, um, did another podcast uh, get with a, with a, on another show, which I don't normally do. But my usual days, I get up, I record like a 10 to 15-minute mini show every morning, which is like it varies what I do. Like here are guys to add off the wave or I hear players to buy low on in trades. Here are players to sell high on in trades. Here's a mailbag show. It goes for 15 minutes every morning. So I do that. Then I go on to Basketball Monster Try and catch up on the news. You know, look, just make sure everything's sitting all right for the, the short-term daily stuff. Try and yeah, make some adjustments, some projections, because things aren't going to be exactly how I projected them back in December. So you've got to make adjustments. Like, is this guy playing more, playing less? Is he shooting better, shooting worse? Like, what's his role look like? Is the ball out of his hands more? Like, just making those adjustments. Then I something I instituted doing this year is at you know, most games start at 7 p.m. Like, that's the start of the NBA night. On the East Coast, so 6.30 p.m., I go live on, on YouTube and I do a pregame show. Um, just me, but it's from a fantasy perspective. Here's the news. Here's the confirmed starting lineup. Here's the changes. Here's who's out. Here's what I think is changing for the day. Answer questions from people on that day. So do that five days a week. And then I settle in. Game start, 7 p.m., which is 11 a.m. my time. Watch them. You know, start watching them. Then each game finishes. I write a recap for that on Basketball Monster. I go in and then adjust that that team and those players minutes based on what I saw is there anything that needs to change for, for future times. I did, you know, we use the example before I talked about Xavier Tillman. Hey, he's the backup center now of the Gorgie Jeng. So Gorgie Jeng's out of the rotation now. So Tillman's getting those minutes, you know, make, make those adjustments there. Um, so write up about those guys. Um, oh yes. And also write, you know, write articles for Yahoo and, and write some betting articles as well during the day. And then as the show, as the day goes on, I go in there and prepare for my podcast, you know, recapping the day's action, um, pr- preparing graphics for the video, getting the box scores up on the screen, um, and then getting everything set. And then as soon as that final game finishes, whatever time that is, 4.30 p.m. here, um, jump straight in, record it, get it out, uh, publish it, go on the, the live stream when it's you know, being published on YouTube, answer a couple of chat questions, put things down, and then uh, get ready for the next day. I was going to ask you what you do with all the spare time, um, but I do know. But but I do know this about I do know this about Josh. So so during quarantine, in addition to that, started an AFL podcast. Mm-hmm. You've been reading, watching TV. Got a dog. You have the child. You bought a house. Mm-hmm. So, out of all of those <laughs> things, what which one of them actually gets the least amount of attention right now? Uh, oh, the least amount of attention right now. Well, I think me and my dog have got a relationship where he's just like, I, I know you're working. So he's what, how old is he? Eight, eight months. So he's, he's, he's not old, obviously he's eight months, but he knows that I come into the studio. You'll come to the door and I said, like, wait. And he goes, all right, you're going to work. And then he just goes off downstairs. But then when I'm sitting there watching the basketball, I'll sit at one end of the couch and we had a long couch and he goes to the other end. He just sits there and sleeps while I'm working. And then once he knows the day's done, then he's like, all right, it's playtime. So he probably gets the least attention, but he's used to it now. So he's just like, I'll just do my own thing for the nine hours a day that you're home. Um, and then we can, uh, we can hang out later on. So he probably gets the least attention at this point. And is your son playing fantasy? No, but what he did do, 
he's not like a big basketball fan, but what he's more into like gaming or, you know, watching Australian footy, but he's like, dad, I think yeah, he's 13. He's like, dad, I reckon you should start a discord server. I, go, I don't even know. What, I don't know what that is. Cause don't worry. He goes, let me sort it out. He goes, I think it'll work for you. I go, um, I'm not sure. I'm a bit skeptical. Cause now let me sort it out. So he went and created a whole, dis- do, you, do you guys know what discord is? Nope. No, I have no clue. <laughs> like, there you go. That's what I was, I don't know what this is, but it's like a, um, it's an app website that's basically like a a private sort of chat room and you have different channels in there different areas you can go in like a like a slack right like uh-huh. you know it, it's like slack but it's more tailored towards uh, towards gaming and, and that sort of thing it can be used for anything but it's 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 like slack so he goes let me create one all right do it i go i'll pay you yeah, he's already on my payroll anyway. He's my uh, director of meme research and discovery. So he finds memes for me. Of what, what's funny, what's going on memes. I use them and I drop sound bites into the show. And he will he'll go, Dad, here's this really stupid song by Logan Paul. I don't even know if you know who Logan Paul is. But he goes, here's a stupid song by Logan Paul. It's absolutely horrendous. Play it. People will hate it, but it's funny. So I do it and people hate it, but it's funny. So he does that and he goes, I'll do the Discord. So he goes and creates the Discord server. And okay, okay, okay I'll be happy if we can get to 500 members. Because, yeah, that'd be good. We started that in the end, the end of November. We got 5,500 people in there that are just in there smashing out fantasy comments, chats, channels all day. Like he's just built this massive community of people, which in two months, like 5,500 people in there is massive. And he's, he's running it with one of his friends from school. They're like the admins there. And people are rude. They're booting them out. Like, don't, don't talk to me on the admin. Get like, okay, All right, cool. I'll just jump in at times and, they're running things, so that's yeah, that's sort of how that's happening. And how old is he? He's thirteen. That's awesome. So he, that's he's not cool. playing it. He's he's just running. Goes, Dad, if I get basketball questions, I'm not answering. I go, you don't have to. You just you just run this thing and let everyone else come in there. Yeah. And, uh, don't don't be a thing. player, be an owner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's smart. He's smart. All right, so you can check out all of Josh's work on YouTube. You can read all of his work on Basketball Monster and on so many other platforms. I'm going to make sure everybody's listening to Locked On Fantasy Basketball every single day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Josh, we really do appreciate it. This was great to get to know you. No worries, guys. Thank you. Thanks so much, Josh. He had me at the, why is David Benoit's name pronounced differently than Benoit Benjamin? That was really enjoyable. I've, I've listened to Josh. Mm-hmm. I've watched Josh. I've read Josh. I knew hardly anything about him. I felt the same way. The one thing that I knew, like I said, was I knew the work ethic because his it comes across in his work, just how much time he's put in, the dedication. And it, it's crazy. And it, I, like I said, it, it does overlap with – with a lot of the Josh Everly stuff, people ask all the time, how do you get into this business? How do you do this? Like it starts with yes, an interest and a passion. But as he said, then it turns into the consistency and how much work are you putting in on a daily basis to really make your mark and get other people interested. And then of course you have to have something that's of interest to other people, but just that time that he was putting in not to become a famous fantasy basketball expert, but because he enjoyed it and said, hey, if I'm going to make a go of this, I'm going to give myself five years and I'm going to pour my heart and soul out into it. And literally the Basketball monster stuff, the podcast, like you could just hear it uh, in his voice. The time that he's put in, it just shines through. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him. I love when guys like that find success. And, and as he said, I mean, putting five to say you're going to put five years into it. 
you can say that. And then to actually do it, like to say you're going to put five years into something and then actually do it for two straight weeks is something. Yeah. But doing it every single day. And the reason it started was a reason why I think a lot of new ventures may be starting around this time in the era of COVID that you've started to realize, okay, what, what actually makes me happy? Like the pharmacy stuff wasn't making him happy. This makes me happy. Can I make a living out of it? And what do I need in order to do that? And I think you might start to see more people taking that route now, given the new outlook on life during these, during the COVID times. But the other, the other part of this too, Noah, to that, to that point, it starts with your passion, mm-hmm. right? It starts with your passion. It starts with your intrigue, but then it's about those nights when you don't want to do it, you know, and to power through. And that's, I think the great example that, that he sets is that all those nights where he's exhausted and everything, and he's going through, okay. I'm writing the, you know, the game recaps for every single game. And like, it's easy to do when it's bucks, nets, and it, you had interest and intrigue, but it's these other games and talking about these other players and doing all this research when you don't want to do it. Those are the times where guys separate themselves from being just decent to being really great at what they do. All right, Frank, I saw unable to join us today, but check out everything else on the Locked On Podcast Network. Josh Lloyd, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, five days a week. Locked on NBA, the national show, five days a week. Hollinger and Duncan, John Hollinger and Nate Duncan with their unique take. Chad Ford's NBA Big Board, all things NBA draft prospects and your team every day, all 30 teams every single day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Sometimes we're on Instagram at rejecting underscore the underscore screen. Adam's on Twitter at NaismithLives. I'm at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-B. Adam, thanks, pal. You are the best. This episode was brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a set of 10 uniquely beautiful diamond rings, and they're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com. This exciting collection of truly unique limited edition diamond engagement rings is available now only at BlueNile.com.